had together. God has just done some powerful things here. And I just wanted to take another moment just to, is that Pastor Rob down the back there? I can't see from the blinding lights. Um, But I just wanted to take a moment just to honour Pastor Rob and Pastor Pauline again, just for making space and making room for us to encounter God today. It's not easy to put something like this on. So can we give it up for these guys? And thank you so much to the team here as well, to everyone who's helped to serve and to make this happen. We honour you guys. We thank you guys. And I'm just so excited and expectant for God, for what God wants to do in this room tonight. As Pastor Pauline mentioned already, um, just over the three sessions, I really felt to make space for us to encounter each person of the Trinity. And so in the first session, we're talking about God the Father and encountering God as Father. In the second session, talking about encountering Jesus and how we can come into deep and intimate relationship with Jesus. And so tonight in this session, we're going to be talking about encountering the Holy Spirit and not just encountering the Holy Spirit, but carrying the power and the presence and the gifts of the Holy Spirit everywhere that we go. Because how many know that the world is waiting for us to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit to show them who Jesus is? And so we're going to read from Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, And then we'll pray and then I'll let my friend Shalini, Shalini go. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Can we just bow our heads in prayer? Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here right now. Lord, I thank you that as Pastor Pauline mentioned about the other session, there was such a weight of your glory and a weight of your presence. God, we don't want to just leave here with just a nice little message and a nice little worship time. God, we want the weight of your glory to come and rest upon us. Holy Spirit, we want to encounter you today. God, I just pray like Ezekiel in the river. God, we don't just want to be ankle deep. We don't just want to be knee deep. God, we want to be in over our heads, just immersed in your presence, immersed in your power, immersed in your glory, God. We want to encounter you and you alone, Lord. I just pray as a preacher, God, that I would decrease and you would increase. God, I thank you that you would take every word. I thank you that you would take everything that happens in this room tonight and you would use it, God, for your glory. You would come and you would encounter us. Lord God, let us encounter you in such a deep, personal and powerful way tonight. And we just give you all the glory and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God one more shout of praise tonight? Awesome. Awesome, and thank you, my friend. Amazing. Beautiful. What what a finish. What a send-off. So good. So in this... I'm a musician as well, so I just love it when it's like so tied up so nicely, so beautiful. Um, So Acts chapter 2, and I loved 
um, Penny on the bass as well with all the bass lines. I was just like admiring those bass lines. Great work, worship team. Can we just give it up for the worship team? My friend Ruth leading us. So powerful. So here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, we see that it's the day of Pentecost. It's the day of Pentecost where the power of the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church to empower the church to go and be who God has called them to be, to be witnesses for God, for Jesus everywhere that they go. We see in this passage of scripture that every single person who was in that upper room encounter, every single person, that 120 people in the upper room, every single person had a flame on their heads. Every single person had a personal, powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? Tonight I believe that there is not one person in this room who God does not want to encounter in a personal and powerful way. And so as we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit tonight, I believe that God will meet you in this room tonight and encounter you. I wonder if you remember the first time that you ever encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. Tonight is your night. I believe that God is going to move in power tonight. If there are people who haven't received their prayer language, who haven't spoken in tongues, I'd love to pray for you as well to receive that prayer language tonight. Um, But I wonder if you remember the first time you ever encountered the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, I was six years old when I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit for the first time. My parents got radically saved in the 90s, radically, radically saved. My dad uh, was Islamic and grew up in Iran and mum had uh, converted to Islam to marry my dad. And so um, I grew up in this sort of, you know, tense household with that sort of stuff going on. Then my auntie came to live with us. She was schizophrenic and so lots of stuff was going on. Uh, Yeah, just crazy story. I'll probably share my testimony at church tomorrow, but just crazy stuff. So um, my parents ended up falling apart. Their marriage fell apart and um, we went in to live in a women's and children's shelter and someone who lived in a house down the street from us, just a neighbor, reached out to my mum and shared the gospel with my mum. And so when she shared the gospel with my mum, the presence of God came all over her. She gave her life to Jesus, got radically saved, moved back in with my dad. Um, and then as dad started going along to church with my mum, he got radically saved as well, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, isn't that awesome? And so my parents were radically saved, radically, radically saved. We went to a Pentecostal church in Palmerston, North New Zealand. And my mum would just play reruns of Benny Hinn's TV show, This Is Your Day. (laughs) I don't know if anyone remembers that TV show, but she would record it on the TV at 5 a.m. in the morning. And then she would just play it in our TV, uh, one of those sort of old 90s style TVs. And so we would just have Benny Hinn playing all day, every day on our TV. No Sesame Street, no Barney the Dinosaur. So you can probably tell that's why I'm a little bit crazy. You know, that's why I'm obsessed with the Holy Spirit. Um, But our house was always filled with the presence of God and we would see him praying for people, praying for the sick. And my mum was just so enamored with what God was doing and how God was moving. And so we had this rule in our household that if Benny Hinn was praying, we had to stop what we were doing. There was no more playing, no more eating, no more fighting, nothing else was happening. Um, my brother and my sister and I, we had to go and we had to put our hands on the TV screen. And we, <laughs> this is legit, 
legit. This is legit. We had to pray with Benny Hinn. And so my mum would be kneeling on her knees before the TV screen, putting her hands out, praying in tongues. And we would be standing there praying with Benny Hinn. Didn't matter what he was praying for, we would pray with him. And so one day my mum was making dinner. I don't know where my siblings were, but I just walked past the TV and Benny Hinn was talking to some other preacher about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And so I was watching this episode, I sort of as a six-year-old kid just started watching and started to get intrigued about this heavenly language that people would speak and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he came to the end of that session and he just said, we would love to pray for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And so I'm the six-year-old kid. The rule in our house is if Benny Hinn's praying, we're all praying with him. So I'm like, cool. So I get my hands, I put my hands on the TV screen and I pray with Benny Hinn. God, help me um, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. And then the preachers and Benny Hinn and the other guy who he was with, they would just go, now just speak out. Just begin to speak out in tongues. And so I was like, okay, rabababashi. And I started speaking out in tongues as this six-year-old kid. And I remember just sort of standing there and just like praying in tongues for a bit. And then they went on and they started talking more. And I was like, cool, I can do that now. And then I walked away from the TV. (laughs) And it was so simple, such a childlike sort of experience. But I just remember from that moment um, having such a weighty, intimate, deep uh, awareness of the presence of God in my life. How many know it only takes childlike faith for God to move in your prayers and to respond to your prayers and move in your life in a powerful way? And if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you just know what it's like to have that intimate, personal relationship with God, that awareness of His presence with you everywhere that you go. So I had that encounter, that first encounter with the Holy Spirit, then many times along the way, how many know that we're not called to just have a one and done sort of encounter with the Holy Spirit? The Bible says, be continually being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to continually be filled up with the Holy Spirit. I grew up in an awesome Pentecostal church just like this one and so I had lots of encounters with the Holy Spirit, lots of opportunities to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember going to youth camps and youth conferences and just having people pray for me. And all they would say is just fire and, you know, their hand would touch you. But there was a point of contact where the Holy Spirit just flows throughout your body and you just feel the power of God, the electricity of the presence of God just flowing through you. And I remember one specific encounter that I had with the power of the Holy Spirit at a youth conference really propelled me into just being so zealous for evangelism and just, you know, wanting to share the gospel with people. How many know in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so there's this compulsion to then go out and preach the gospel everywhere. And I went to this uh, public school, this non-Christian school in Geelong, probably had about 1,500 students there and not a lot of Christians at this school. And so I went back to my school and I was like, I'm going to start a Christian group in my school. I'm going to start this Christian group. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to pray for people. We're going to have games and we're going to get people saved. That's what we're going to do. And it was sort of early 2000s, and um, I think Josh is down the back here. He'll probably remember this. Early 2000s, lots of youth ministries everywhere were calling themselves Boom, right? Everyone was called Boom. There was Planet Boom at Planet Shakers. Every other youth ministry was called Boom. 
So I was like, well, my lunchtime um, Christian group, I'm not going to call it boom because that would be copying everyone else. I'm going to call it detonate, <laughs> detonate, you know, because the, the Holy Spirit's going to come and blow this place up, right? And um, that would be okay for any sort of normal white Australian kid to call their Christian group detonate. <laughs> but when you're half Persian and half Irish and you want to call a religious group detonate, uh, it's not going to work for you. So me, zealous kid, on fire for the Lord, got called into the principal's office. No word of a lie, Pastor Pauline. Got called into the principal's office and the principal was like, uh, Layla, I'm just wondering um, what the nature of your uh, religious group um it's a detonate, is it? What What are you guys planning to do there? And I was like, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come blow this place up. No, nah, I didn't say that. I was like, oh, we're just going to share the word of God and we're going to, you know, teach people about God and, and, you know, play some games and have some people from my youth group come. And he's like, oh, okay, that's fine. No worries. So let us start that. Started sharing the gospel with my friends. Saw some of my friends come to know Jesus at school. But how many know when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the fire of God comes upon you, it's going to change something in your life. He's going to make a difference in your life. He's not only for you, but he is upon you for others. He's upon you to go out into this world and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not just with words, but with a demonstration of power. Do you know what? I really believe, sorry. I need a drink of water here if that's okay. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I really believe that in this time and this hour, especially in Australia, God is calling the church back to a gospel that's not just preached with words, but is also preached with power. I believe it's not just for the preachers on stage to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit and for us to go wow at their gift and say, oh wow, that's a great prophetic gift. Oh wow, that's a great healing gift. It's not just for a show on the platform. It's for the people in the world around us. It's for the streets. It's for us to take the gospel to people, to show them that Jesus is real and Jesus loves them and that Jesus can heal them and save them and set them free, that Jesus sees them and Jesus knows them. And so I really have a passion to get people encountering the power of the Holy Spirit, but not just for us to encounter Him and His presence, although that is our first and foremost priority to encounter the presence of God and to know Him and to love Him, but also for us to be sent out into the world around us, to change the world around us. So what happened when the disciples got filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? They became keepers of the flame. They became carriers of the power of the Holy Spirit. Carriers of the power of the Holy Spirit, keepers of the flame. And there's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the direct presence of God. So the omnipresence of God, we say that God is everywhere at all times, that God is omnipresent. God is here, there and everywhere. God is, you know, in the garden. God is in the kitchen. God is in the I was like going to say book room. Does anyone have a book room? I don't know what that is. That's not even the thing. The library, whatever. So God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But there is also a direct presence of God. There is a direct, potent, powerful, life-transforming presence of God that shows up when people are hungry, when people welcome Him in. We see this all throughout the Bible that there was a direct presence of God that Moses encountered at the burning bush that came and changed his life. 
we see that there is another encounter that a lady, a woman with the issue of blood has with the power of Jesus Christ, that Jesus stops and he says, hey, wait, what happened? And, the, and every, he's like, everyone's touching you. And, and he's like, no, this isn't, they're just not just touching my presence. They're touching the power. They're touching that direct anointing that's on me. There's a weight of the anointing of God that comes with the direct presence of God. And so when we talk about the direct presence of God in here tonight, we're not just talking about God is everywhere. Yes, we know that God is everywhere, but we're asking him to come in his manifest presence and glory and come and heal and save and set free and break addictions off people and do what only he can do with his power and his presence. I love what A.W. Tozer said about the power of the Holy Spirit. He says that when we have the Holy Spirit, we have all that is needed to be all that God desires us to be. Smith Wigglesworth said this, the power of God will take you out of your own plans and put you into the plan of God. A.W. Tozer again said, we go astray when we attempt to do spiritual work without spiritual power. I love when Jesus said to the disciples in Luke 24, verse 49, he says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What was he saying here? He was saying, I want you to wait for the wait. I want you to wait for the weight of my glory and my power and my presence to come upon you. Because without this weight of my glory, you can't do anything. You can't change lives. You can't transform people's hearts. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you go into a foreign country, usually as you're traveling to a foreign country when you get there, um, you'll get asked questions by customs and immigration and one of the questions that they would typically ask to anybody coming through their country is do you know what's in your bags today and they're like did you pack them yourself do you know the contents of your bags and you're supposed to know the contents of your bags you're supposed to say yes I packed them and it's got this and this and this and whatever you're supposed to declare to them exactly what's in your bags why because as a foreigner coming to a different country you are supposed to know what it is that you're carrying into this foreign land and you know what, as the, in the same way, as citizens of heaven, as people who are in this world but not of this world, God wants us to know the power that we are carrying into this foreign land. He wants us to know what it is that we carry, these power and these gifts that God has given us to come and transform the world around us. And so tonight I want to share very briefly about what the power of God is, what does the Holy Spirit do? When we keep the flame, what does He do in our lives and the lives of others? What is this power and this glory that we are carrying into this land of ours? The first thing that the power of the Holy Spirit does and the flame does is the flame makes us holy. The flame makes us holy. So in Exodus chapter 3, we see that Moses encounters the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. And God says to Moses, Moses, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. So he has to take off his shoes because he's on holy ground. The power and the presence of God, the fire of God is there. And because the fire of God is there, that ground has been made holy. 
that site was not on in and of itself a holy place. This was not a special bush or some special place. It was not a site of a temple or anything like that. But simply because the fire of God was there, simply because the presence of God was on that bush and in that place, that place had been made holy. Do you know what? In the same way, when we get filled with the fire of God, when we get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that He makes us holy as He is holy. He is changing us from the inside out. He is making us new. He is making us holy. He is sanctifying us as He fills us with His presence and with His power. You know, one of the things that we've seen, I was saying to Pastor Rob and Pastor Pauline um, about this revival that's going on at Numa, one of the real um, powerful things that I hadn't really seen before is masses of people just falling on their knees before God, just repenting of their sin. And Christian people who haven't done anything really wrong, but just so aware of their state before God, just saying, God, make me holy as you are holy. There's a purification, a refining that happens when the fire of God is in the room and you don't want to be any, you don't want any part of you to be out of alignment with the power and the presence of God in that moment. So he makes us holy as he is holy. The second thing that the Holy Spirit does and the flame does is the the flame takes us deeper. He takes us deeper. We see all throughout the Bible and especially in the New Testament, we see that Jesus is relational. He's hanging out with his disciples. He's often coming and eating with them. How many love the dinner tonight? Just hanging out, just chilling together, spending time building relationships. So much fun. Um, Jesus was doing that. He was eating with his disciples. His favorite meal to cook, it seems, most of the time was fish and bread. And I'm not a fish eater, so I don't know what I'd be eating with Jesus, just for the bread pot probably. Um, But Jesus is always cooking fish and bread, and they're always eating together with Jesus, and he's relational, and he's taking them deeper. We actually see in the tabernacle in the Old Testament this picture of God's presence and God's dwelling place and in the tabernacle in the old testament the temple they actually had this table that had bread on it and it was this table of what they called the show bread and it's interesting because in temples and and places the residences of the gods in that sort of time period they would have food in their temples to feed their gods but in the tabernacle, it didn't represent us feeding our God because how many know God doesn't need to be fed? Like he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he wants to have steak, he can have his thousand hill cattle, you know. He can have whatever he wants. He owns all the fishes in the sea. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't need us to feed him. But God um, wants to sit with us and he wants to eat with us. So scholars will say that the table of showbread actually represents a God who wants to come and fellowship with us, a God who wants to come and share a meal with us. He wants to sit down with you. He wants to spend time in your presence. He wants to sit with us. He wants to take us deeper into his presence and who he is. He is a relational God that takes us deeper. The third thing that the presence of God does and the power of the Holy Spirit does is the power of the Holy Spirit marks us. He marks us. In Acts chapter 2, we see that there was a recognizable mark 
on every life. And that recognizable mark was the mark of speaking in tongues. They started to speak in tongues, spill out into the streets. And as they spilled out into the streets, people could tell, hey, the fire of God is on this person. They're speaking in tongues. There's something different about them. There's something changed about them. In the Old Testament as well, in the, um, in the tabernacle and in the presence of God, we actually see that there was something that was a marker of the presence of God. There was what's called the altar of incense. And I love that we got that anointing oil today or the perfume oil. That was a really cool present. I'm going to enjoy that. In the presence of God, they actually had this oil as well, this anointing oil. And that oil was put on a number of different things and the priests and different things like this. And that anointing oil was made up of certain types of ingredients. And those certain types of ingredients in the anointing oil could not be matched anywhere else. You could not use this same combination of ingredients for any other perfume, any other scent, any other oil that you were making in Israel at the time. God, it escalates quickly. He's like, if you make this, you'll die. You know, you can't put it together. This oil is only for my presence. This scent is only for my presence. So whenever anyone smelt that scent, they knew that that scent could only come from the presence of God. They knew that that smell, that mark was a marker of the anointing oil that could only come from the presence of God. And you know what? I believe that when we get under the anointing of God, when we get in the presence of God, when we get so full of the power of the Holy Spirit, when we encounter His presence and He takes us deeper in Him, we are marked with an anointing on our lives that the world cannot replicate. We are marked with an anointing anointing on our lives that cannot come from anywhere else, that nobody else can copy. Why? Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that moves hearts, that shifts things, that changes things. It's the anointing that empowers us to go far beyond anything that we could ever do in our own strength or our own abilities. It's the anointing that marks us. It's the anointing that God wants to give us in His presence as we encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fourth and final thing, if the worship team could join me, is the power of the Holy Spirit and the flame of God empowers us. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this was what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days will I pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, the incredible thing about Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost preaching to a crowd of 3,000 people and basically birthing the church as 3,000 people get saved. 
the interesting thing and the ironic thing about that is that Peter was called to be the leader of the church, that God had anointed him and appointed him and called him to be that first person, that first apostle who would lead the church. But almost every opportunity that he had had leading up to this day to be a leader and to step out as the leader of the church, he had messed it up. See, as a leader, as a pastor, as someone who is an apostle, what he needed to be able to do was to sense what God was doing and then to articulate it to the people and to lead them into wherever God was taking them, to lead the people into whatever God wanted to do. We saw that with Moses in the Old Testament and we're supposed to see that with Peter here in the New Testament. But every time that he had the opportunity to sense what God was doing and then to articulate it to the people before this moment on the day of Pentecost, he messed it up. We see that he was with Jesus and Jesus was washing the disciples' feet And the first person whose feet he wanted to wash was Peter. And he said, Peter, let me wash your feet. And Peter goes, no, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. You're not allowed to wash my feet. I will never let you wash my feet. He couldn't sense and articulate what Jesus was doing. Jesus is like, Peter, let me wash your feet. If you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then Peter's like, oh my goodness, sorry, Lord. Um, Wash my feet, wash my arms, wash my hair. Do you want some shampoo, Lord? Here's some shampoo for you to wash my hair. He's like, he couldn't articulate it. He couldn't sense what God was doing. There was another time in the Bible we see he's on a mountain and Jesus is transfigured. He has this incredible encounter. Peter's watching on. He's like, this is crazy stuff. Like there's Elijah, there's Moses. What is going on? And he says to Jesus, he's like, Jesus, uh, do you think we should set up some, you know, some little altars here and, and, and make some, you know, monuments to this, to this experience? And the Bible says that he says this because he had no idea what to say. He was terrified. He didn't know what to say. He couldn't sense what God was doing, articulate it. There's another time where Jesus is talking about going to the cross. And Peter's like, no, Jesus. No, you'll be fine. Me and the boys, we got you, right? You're not, no, you're not going nowhere, Jesus, all right? And Jesus turns to Peter as he's been talking about dying and going to the cross and he says, get behind me, Satan. It's a bad day when Jesus thinks you're Satan, right? And you're supposed to be the pastor of the church. It's like, okay, I'm gonna quit today. I'm supposed to be a pastor and Jesus thinks I'm Satan. You know, like that's a bad, bad, bad day. Every time, then we know he just denies Christ before that servant girl and the rooster crows three times. Every time that he had the opportunity to step into his calling, to sense what God was doing and articulate it and lead the people, we see that he messes it up. But on the day of Pentecost, when the fire of the Holy Spirit falls upon Peter, when the anointing of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter, he stands up before 3,000 people that day. He gets up, he senses what God is doing. He's able to say, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He starts to prophesy. He starts to declare the Word of God. He starts to lead the people to salvation and 3,000 eternal destiny are transformed that day in that place in Jerusalem. Do you know what, ladies? I believe for 
us to fulfill the calling and the destiny that God has for us. We cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you feel like you're not enough, like you don't have what it takes to do what God has called you to do. Guess what? Join the club. None of us do. And if we do feel like we have what it takes, chances are we probably aren't hearing exactly what God has called us to do because it's always going to take faith. It's always going to be beyond us and it's always going to require the anointing and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to encounter Him. We need His anointing, not just for ministry, but for our daily lives. We need Him to share the love of God everywhere that we go. I'd love to finish with this story. I have a friend named Adam. He lives in New Zealand now, but he grew up in Melbourne as well. And as he was growing up, he came from a Muslim family. And when he was 15 years old, his parents split up. When his parents split up, his life sort of spiraled out of control. He got caught up with the wrong crowd, just trying to fill that void in his heart. And he started to just go out into this party lifestyle, drinking, doing drugs, all the sort of stuff that you can do. He started to just go out clubbing every night as he got older and he's doing drugs. And he got this job at airport security. And so he's living this party lifestyle overnight. And then during the day, he's sort of coming to work and trying to do his job at airport security. And his life is just a mess. He's just sort of holding things together. He had two Christian friends at his job in airport security. And these guys would tell him about Jesus all the time. They'd share the gospel with him. And he was just not having a bar of it, right? He'd grown up Muslim, had like went way off the rails, just didn't want anything to do with religion, didn't want anything to do with whatever the heck they were talking about. And so he would just mock them and tease them. And he's like, what, do you believe in Santa Claus too? You know, just mocking them, not having a bar of it. And they just kept showing the love of Jesus to him, kept reaching out to him, kept praying for him, kept inviting him to church and just loving on him. He would be out sometimes to all hours of the morning, just be drunk in a park and they would go and they would pick him up and bring him into work and they'd show the love of Jesus to him. One day he was just in such a mess that he got to the airport car park in Tullamarine Airport. And he's standing in the car park. And because of these Christian friends who had shown the love of God to him and sown the gospel into his life, it was just playing on his mind. It was just there. It was like the Holy Spirit was using that seed to draw him to salvation. So he just cries out in that airport car park. He's like, Jesus, if you're real, then prove it. Just praise that prayer. How many know that's a dangerous prayer for a non-Christian to pray? And so he goes up, didn't really think much of it after that, goes up to security, his job, he's just working in security. There's people coming through, he's scanning them, he's doing all the stuff. One man walks through airport security and he's just on his way to a flight, probably a busy guy, you know, got to catch a plane, got to get him through security. And he stops for a moment and he looks my friend Adam in the eye. And he says, hi, you don't know me, but I'm a Christian. And I just believe that God wanted me to say to you, that he loves you and he has a plan for your life. And my friend Adam's like, what? Like, this is crazy. What's this guy talking about? He has, God loves me and he has a plan for my life. And the guy just sort of goes on by, goes to catch his flight. 
just sort of was being obedient to what he felt God was telling him to do. About an hour later, another guy walks through airport security and he comes through and he looks at my friend Adam. The Holy Spirit speaks to him. He gives him a word of knowledge. And this guy, as he's walking through airport security, he stops and he says to my friend Adam, hey, I'm a Christian and I, I just believe that God wanted to share a message with you and he wanted to say that he heard the prayer that you prayed. He wants to show you that he's real and that he loves you and he has a plan for your life. Isn't that crazy? So my friend Adam, he yelled, yeah, amen. Can we give God some praise for that? Isn't that amazing? Come on. So my friend Adam yells out to the other two guys who were the Christians who worked in airport security with them. He's like, hey guys, take me to the priest. I wanna become a Christian. Take me to the priest. So they took him to church. They got him baptized. He's been saved. Now he is a pastor of a church in New Zealand. He has led thousands upon thousands of people to the Lord. And what I love about that story is the people in his world who were willing and obedient to step out with what the Holy Spirit spoke to them, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the love of God to him, not just with words, but with power. And you know what? That's not just for those two guys. That's not just for preachers on stage. That's for every single one of us. God wants us to carry the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to pray for the sick and see them healed on the streets, to pray for people, to share words of knowledge with people that we couldn't know unless God had revealed it to us. People in the grocery store, people in the petrol station, people everywhere that we go, God desperately wants to reveal Himself to them. And He wants to give us as witnesses, He wants to give us evidence that we can present to a lost and dying world. Can we just stand to our feet right now? I'm gonna ask the worship team just to lead us in a song and we're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit just to come and move as only He can. We're gonna have an altar call in just a moment where we're gonna invite people for ministry. But can we just lift up our hands to God and thank you, thank you, worship team. If you could lead us, that would be amazing.